This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome into another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. I'm your host, Corey Burton, and joining me, fresh off his first region victory, 1-0 in the region, it's Israel Troop, man. What's up? What's going on? Feels good to be 1-0 in the region. Got another big match against a very good Brookwood team um, this Friday night, so um, it's going to be a good one. Maybe we'll avoid the monsoon from Edna that's coming through here. Yeah, I hope so. And, uh, you know, that, that'll throw a whole wrench into to the plans if COVID doesn't do that enough. Um, we got to deal with hurricane after hurricane after hurricane. Um, I feel like this, this year's hurricane season is, is, uh, is, is extra, is a little bit, I guess you get too many hurricanes this year. Usually you don't get this many. It's, I think it's doubled. Yeah. I was trying to think of a fancy adjective to describe the overactive hurricane season, but I guess that's the best way to describe it. So um, you can find Israel at Troopstar28 on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at CoachBurton36 on Twitter, at Burton.Corey on Instagram. You can find the show at Believe in Dogs on all three, uh, Facebook included. Uh, the show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Uh, we looked at some some futures with uh, last week with SEC champions, uh, ACC champions, Heisman, and Pac-12 champions. Well, it, it seems that uh, USC kind of held on to uh, their chances of being Pac-12 champions, so if you put money on them, uh, you're still in good shape. If you put money on Kyle Trask, I tell you what, the Georgia Bulldogs made him uh, made him jump up in those rankings, right? Yes, they did. 400, over 400 yards receiving, I mean passing, and all those off-field routes and telling him, man, we just couldn't stop the field. Exactly, and and uh, we'll get we'll dive more into that here in just a little bit. Um, and we'll take a look at some more in-depth spreads uh, from around the country on our next episode when we make our game picks. If there are any games next week, I have no idea. Uh, we might be able to bet on that, actually. But from game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options 
to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. That never closes. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. And sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, let's get into it, uh, Israel. Uh, not really much sugarcoating we can do this past weekend. Uh, your team is about the only team that won uh, on Friday night. Saturday was brutal. Um, I don't know if you're a Falcons fan, but I guess they saved the weekend for you. But uh, my team got bounced from the playoffs. But let's talk about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, title of this show is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party hangover um, because it was not a good uh, not a good Saturday for the for the dogs. Plenty of stuff to to unravel or plenty of stuff that came unraveled uh, that we can discuss. Uh, the first two issues are the quarterback position and the fact that the defense could not stop the wheel route. Israel, where do we want to start? Man, let's start with the QB situation. Let's start with that. That's been on my mind lately, and the reason why, and it, it's further on my mind now, because I just saw that Jamie Newman um, is going to the Senior Bowl, mm. um, which I have no problem with. You know, that's that's something that they do outside of football season anyway. Um, but a lot of fans are upset because his picture is is in a Georgia uniform. So, um, I mean, I wanted to tweet just a minute ago. I was like, are we really upset because he opted out and we're struggling at the quarterback position? Is that what we're really mad about? Or are we really mad because he's in a Georgia uniform? Not really sure what side of the fence we're actually upset about. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it should be noted that he probably should be featured in a Wake Forest uniform because he never really got into a UGA game jersey, um, just that practice jersey. And, and uh, he actually was in a, just a solid red helmet. So that doesn't really count to me. So, I mean, according to me, he's a Wake Forest quarterback. Um, I mean, he opted out. Senior Bowl is, is what it is. Uh, not really mad that he's not playing, given our quarterback situation. I mean, he did what he had to do. Uh, we should have been more prepared uh, behind him, I think, uh, is probably where everybody's mad because we weren't quite as prepared behind him um, as we thought we were going to be. So, um, to me, that's it right there. And to me, the fact that he's using his picture as a Georgia quarterback is just kind of like – I feel like it's almost a slap in the face. I, I may be overreacting on that, but that's kind of how I feel. I just think it's I just think it's funny, you know, he he was with us, you know, um they didn't play the season now. Um but the part that really that's really funny to me because everybody was saying he opted out because JT Daniels beat him out. And we have yet to see JT Daniels. So that's the look at that irony. That is funny to me. Everybody mm-hmm. was, Oh, he he's opting out because J T beat him out and this, that and the third and I said, Well, we hadn't seen J T yet and clearly Stetson Bennett beat out everybody. Um, just by how everything's shaking out. So, I mean, look at the irony in that. Exactly. And I, it just – it's odd. It's an odd situation. So, uh, yeah. Jamie Newman going to play in the Senior Bowl as of as of today. Um, but you know, let's look at the play on the field. I mean, Stetson Bennett comes out, throws a dime to Marcus Roseme and takes mm-hmm. a shot. And it's not really the same, but – then again, you know he he gets that shot and and is like his he's like he's good as new, but he was just making poor decisions and I I felt like the play calling right in the middle of the second quarter towards the end of the second quarter was was kind of like it felt like it was desperate where it just felt like we were taking shot after shot after shot after shot we were just chucking uh, three plays and punt uh, and and they went on a thirty one to seven run after uh, Eric Stokes's 
or actually it was right before Eric Stokes' uh, pick six. They scored, Eric Stokes scored, and then they went on and, and scored the next 28 points. So, um, or whatever it was uh, to, to complete that 31-7 to run right before halftime. That kind of put the nail in the coffin to me. But then you bring in Dewan Mathis, who just looked totally discombobulated. The situation looked like it, it, it hit him like a tidal wave. Their defense was all over. Maybe the momentum was was too big at that point, and it didn't matter who you threw in. If you threw in Tom Brady, uh, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, or me, uh, it wouldn't matter. I think the result would be the same. So uh, looking at the quarterback situation, uh, you know, I, I think it's just non-execution, can't hit. You know, we had several guys open um, on those shot plays, but we can't connect. So, you know, what do you think it is? Is it nerves? Is it just these guys are third and fourth stringers that are that were playing above their heads for a minute? You know, what 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 do you think of this? I think for the most part, I'm watching that game, and um, I, was, I thoroughly watched it just to see what was going on. I think we I think we got a little bit of patience. Um, you know, although we're down, I think you just stay stay the course. You know, our, our defense will figure it out. You know, so um, for a little bit, we, we just put our defense in bad situations. You know, we go three deep shots um, on one series. You know, we get a series where we got the pop pass to the tight end who's wide open. He drops it. He actually we threw we ran the same play twice and tight end, and two different tight ends dropped that pass. So um, I mean, I think we just got impatient as the game rolled on because obviously, you know, when you get down and you see that their offense is doing well. Um, you try to you try to match score for score, but sometimes in those situations you just got to slow the game down. Um, Florida, Florida was was getting after us um, on defense, so you know run the football. I mean, we scored on the very first play of the game. You know, we kind of pretty much abandoned the run um, up until the last I don't know last couple minutes in the fourth quarter, um, a little bit in the third. You know, and we kind of abandoned it because we got impatient. Um, so um, when Stetson took that shot on his shoulder. I mean, you could tell it, it riled him, it riled him big time. And then he came out in that next season, tried to throw the ball, and it just kind of fluttered on him. Um, so, I mean, in that situation, you know, especially when they start getting up big, you just got to be patient. You know, slow the game down, um, take your time. You know, and flip the field um, as much as you can. You know, try try to get your punter in a situation where if he does shank the ball, which we saw on Saturday, it does not give them the ball at their 40, 45 yard line. So they got a short field to work with. Exactly. I mean, I, I've always, I've always preached, you know, do not let the other team dictate the tempo uh, because if you let them dictate the tempo, they will um, have the upper hand. And I think that's what we played right into that with our impatience uh, there in the second quarter, you know, thing, they started going on the run and, and you, we knew Florida was capable of that. And if you let them dictate the tempo, they can now use that, to get in a rhythm, and then once Kyle Trask gets in a rhythm, that's it. Uh, you know he's going to be yeah. throwing dime after dime after dime, and that's what he did. You know, and and, and he threw wheel route after wheel route after wheel route. Uh, they saw a weakness, they kept exploiting it, and he kept putting it right on the money. He put it right on the money. That throw to to, to Trevon Grimes right there, right before half was was a dime. The one to Pitts over on the sideline was also a dime, and uh, also with one of the camera angles, you saw. Uh, Kirby Smart still has a vertical, uh, a good vertical uh, as well. But, you know, it, it's just we can't allow teams, you know, if, if we're going to try to win, we're not built yet. And I say yet because uh, Monken obviously wants to be that style of offense. 
and and so does I, I think the rest of the staff is in line with that. And then uh, Buster Faulkner, who they have as quality control, who I, f- I feel like they're grooming to be their offensive coordinator because he was that a season ago at Southern Miss. I feel like that's their style and that's what they want to do. But we're just not there yet. It, this is a transitional year for to, to be able to play that style. I, I think we still have to blend what we're good at, which is we're still good at running the ball, which was evident on the very first play of the game. And then we're, we're, we're working into being able to throw the ball. We've got a lot of unproven talent at wide receiver, but a lot of talent. Uh, you know, I, you hate to see Marcus Roseme go down uh, the way he did. That was just a freak accident, a uh, freak play there. Um, you know, George Pickens not being around really hurt. Uh, Kyrus Jackson had to carry the load, and he's not one that's going to carry the load. He's a, he's a great number two, but he is never – I mean, you know, he hasn't yet, but I, I don't think he's – capable of carrying the team as a number one receiver just yet. I think he fits perfectly in the role that he was in when George Pickens is active. So a lot of things happening with this offense that, you know, I think that, you know, will be good for us in, in the long run. But I think finding your quarterback, whether, you know, I, I think it's it's time to give Daniels a shot, see how that knee is going to react. Carson Beck, I mean, he's staying on the sidelines. We, we saw what he could do in high school. I don't know. I mean, what is he not giving you that those other two are giving you? I, I'm not sure. So, you know, you'd like to see one of those two guys get a chance because this offense can go. It, it's shown that we can create separation now. We can create open zones. It's just a matter of getting a guy that can distribute uh, where the ball needs to get distributed accurately and on time, which he was on time, but we weren't very accurate on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, from what I've been hearing, you know, the, the one constant that's been going on in practice this has been it looks – lot better than everybody um, during team periods. You know, during team, you know, you get to see those bullets flying and people running at you and listening and stuff. And that's where Stetson Bennett separated himself from others. Um, he's done a better job of maintaining the offense during team periods. And all the other ones, um, from what I've been hearing, is they look really good during 707 and routes on there and stuff like that where people aren't rushing them. Um, but in a game, you also know that defensive linemen are coming. You got corner blitzes, you got linebacker blitzing, so you got to manage the offense as a whole um, during 11 on 11. And um, from what I've been hearing, you know, that's what Stetson, that's what separates Stetson from all the rest of them. That's why we hadn't seen Daniels yet, because he hasn't looked good during 11 on 11. And, you know, what people don't understand is you can go, you can drop dimes in 7 on 7 all day because you don't have a rush. All you're doing is looking at uh, coverages and everything. But when those bullets start flying, you got to be able to react. Got to be able to move. Um, Got to be able to make plays when you have a rush in front of your face. And I think right now, I don't think Stetson's going to be able to play this weekend. I think right now, that's what they're evaluating right now. Who's the Who's the best guy that can lead us during seven, during eleven on eleven? Um, because in a game, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get eleven on eleven. Um, you're going to get every single blitz that people are going to do now because they realize that quarterback is our weakness. Um, so right now, we're just we're 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 at a standstill. We don't we don't know who the guy's gonna be. So um this week I don't know what they're doing, but I think you give those guys you give Beck, you give Mathis, you give Daniels all a try to see who do you think and who do you trust to go out there and lead this team as especially after a loss like that to Florida. Um which one is gonna be confident and which one do you have trust in to go out there and get the job done against this next team? Because the season's not over. Um if just because we're we're we have a long shot of going to the championship right now. Never know what might happen. So you have for right now, you have to win out, you know, and do things for yourself. So um, right now, I'm looking at 
who can get the job done for the rest of the season, who can lead this team for the rest of the season, then let everything else just take care of itself. Yeah, I mean, for folks that are trying to jump ship now, I mean, we, we went out, we go 8-2. and two. I mean, you, you tell me I'm going to win eight SEC games uh, and go 8-2 and two on a 10-game SEC-only gauntlet where I don't have those warm-up games that I usually have. I would be elated with that. I mean, that's. I mean, this is the this is a tough conference. This is the toughest conference in the country, and and for any team to go through that gauntlet undefeated, one loss or much less two losses, I think deserve a ton of respect. And Florida's going to have their hands full because Arkansas is coming to town. They're extremely hungry. They came off a big win against Tennessee, uh, where they came back from a 13-0 halftime deficit. They came back, dominated the second half, and 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 won the game. And then that Tennessee game is always always tricky for the Gators. Doesn't matter when or why, how or how bad Tennessee is. That game's always tricky for the Gators uh, in most years. I think there was a year where they went where Tennessee went winless in the conference, and that game was a blowout. But I think that's the only one that's really been a blowout. Most of those games are are tight uh, for most of the way. With you know with most of Florida's victories, they're they're either kind of pulling starting to pull away in, in late in the fourth quarter where the game looks worse than it actually was. But it's always tricky, so you never know. LSU could figure some things out between now and when they play them on the makeup day. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to be happened. So all Georgia can do right now is just beat who's in front of them and see where the chips fall. Uh, the goal is eight and two now. And let's see where the chips fall. If they fall in our favor, we can go get another crack at Alabama. If they don't, then, well, we did our part, and that's all we can do. Uh, we should have took, took, taken care of business in Jacksonville. So the next topic at hand, Israel, is how do you stop – I mean, you, could, you can uh, respond to the, the schedule thing too, but, you know, how, how do you stop the wheel route? You know, what? how, how are we going to prevent other teams from lighting us up with that? Always a big play in each series that 
essentially cost us a game, you know, where there was a deep pass, you know, on the one where you were speaking about Kirby jumping up. I mean, DB's in perfect, perfect coverage on pits. And, I mean, he just he's, – he missed times of jump and he falls. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, um, the ball to Grimes, you know. Um, Tyson Campbell's in perfect position, I mean. But, you know, Trash just puts it up to where he – only his receiver can catch the ball. You know, so it's just – you know, figuring out the best technique for our DBs and, you know, figuring out a way to, you know, get our best athletes on their athletes um, and not allowing a wheel route to beat us because we're putting, putting a linebacker or defensive end on one of their one of their best running backs or tight end for that matter because they hit one for a touchdown to a tight end. Yeah, and it was uh, Kyle Pitts' backup, I think. something I can't remember his first name, but Gamble, uh, number 88, was uh, – I mean, they would get in that bunch formation, and and uh, they would leak out number three on a wheel sometimes, and then they would also um, get in like a, a trips with a uh, with a with a nub tight end, and they would leak leak the back out there, and and so they just they they hit that wheel route and, and so many different so many different looks that you know they you know I thought they did a great job of like you said I mean you said it perfectly they did a great job of scheming uh, with eye candy and, and drawing the corner's eyes off of the sideline and then running that guy up the sideline and and he's wide open and, and he catches the ball and it's 15 yards before anybody touches him so you know that's that's great for chunk plays and and that's great for building momentum and when you can hit a bunch of chunk plays like that my god I mean that that you know you know you're going to score then and, and you know you're going to win the game and you know that you know, no lead is too insurmountable if you start hitting chunk plays. Georgia just had to work for their chunk plays, and and they didn't even get any of them really. Uh, they got a few, uh, but they they didn't really. Chunk plays were were a premium for Georgia, and they were a dime a dozen for for Florida. And that you know that that stuff can break your back and break your spirits. And and I mean, I, I think that's what happened. I mean, I think it was halftime. We were just trying to figure out, and our heads were still spinning and. You know, when you get finally when the, uh, your head starts stop spinning, you know, and you start playing well, you're down 28 points, and you know now you got to fight, claw, get back in the game uh, against an offense that is just as explosive um, in the second half as they were in in the first. But you know they they've got to have answers. They've they've got to they've got to have some disciplined guys. They've got to uh, they've got to work that depth uh, behind behind the starters, which they're doing. Uh, but those guys obviously are number twos for a reason uh and and with our safeties i felt like there was some number threes out there but uh they just you know it's it just it's a tough spot to be put in it's it's a tough deal to to have to guard for 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 anybody um but you just gotta you gotta figure it out stay disciplined and and uh, find a way to disrupt that because once you disrupt that then you know you, you take away a lot of their shot plays then um you know they have to methodically drive and i i don't know that i don't know that florida is able to methodically drive a ball down the field um, they, that's what they that's what they live on. I said in the preview, that's what they live on. They live on chunk plays and explosives. And uh, you know, when, when you make them drive, that's when mistakes happen, or that's when they stall out and they get frustrated. And then that's where you can gain some momentum. So I don't know. Just got to just got to figure out how to make defense make offenses work and and drive. And that's that's where that you know in this day and age, teams are going to score points. So I mean, the, the the days of a shutout against a good offense. Is not going to happen. So you gotta you gotta limit how fast they're able to score and how many chunk plays and big plays they're able to get. And if they're going to score, they they better earn it with a twelve play drive that is methodical and and uh, takes a lot of effort and energy. So you know, to me, most definitely. And, and like I say all 
guy. And, you know, you, you can't get down dumps. You got to be just as attentive at practice, you know, paying attention, being in film, um, reading your scouting reports, just as much as that number one guy. Because like, like we always say, you're an injury array from being in the game. You're, you're at any point you can be thrown in the game and you have to know what to do. So um, you have to take that initiative for yourself. Are you going to sulk because, oh, well, coach don't like me or I should be doing this or are you going to know what to do? So when your number's called, you can go out there and perform just as well as that number one guy. And I think that's what we got a little bit right now going on. Um, those guys, you know, bless their hearts, you know, it's just you get thrown, especially in Florida game. You know, you, you the game's been hyped up. And, you know, you just got to go out there and do your job. That, that's basically what it is, just doing your job and knowing what to do. Because um, it, it was a lot of, you know, look, guys just look confused all the way around the field from up front to linebackers to secondary um, defensively. And that's not – we're not used to seeing that from a Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning defense. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's one thing that we got to fix. And you can't blame it on injuries because that's why you recruit. That's why we get all these five-star five star guys in because we know – they're athletically good enough to play against anybody, but you know you got to use your brain. You know you got to be smart uh, when you get in there. You got you got to do your job as a player and and read, like I said, read your scout reports, watch film. No, because I said it. I tweeted. I said they've been running that bunch formation all year long and running slants and mesh all the way across the field, and we didn't pick up on it not one time. And I just know that just from watching them play. Now, if I can see that, then. You know, the players who are watching the film and getting getting analyzed and everything, they should be able to see it. You know, not just being a spectator while watching the game. So, um, you know, it's 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 an everybody deal. You know, it's not just on the coaches, players doing their responsibility as well. So, you know, I I know that we'll bounce back, you know, and this this one game does not define the rest of our season, but if it happens again, now you start to wonder what exactly is going on and you don't want that to creep into your mind. No, not at all. And and they they've just gotta regroup. Uh, lick the wounds and and let's go. But I, you know, I, I think as a player uh, preparing, I, I think you know the coaches do so much game planning, right? We 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 look at every possible scenario. Um, but as a player, I think you've got to think that way too. I, I think you know you've got to get beyond the surface of what's being presented to you and start kind of thinking of okay, well, what if they do this? What if they do that? You know, almost kind of let your imagination wander. Like, hey, how how could they how could they hurt? How could they hurt this coverage? How could they invade my zone if you're a DB? Uh, how can they invade my zone? What, what are the possible ways that they could they could come into my zone and, and threaten my zone? Or how are they going to get me off my spot? You know, you, you got to think of, like, punch, counterpunch. Like, you got to start thinking, what what are they going to do to us? And, and how, how can we counter that? And, you know, I think that's part of, part of preparation. Like, you're watching your, you're watching your opponent. What, what are all their moves, right? How do you know? What are some tells that you can get? I mean, it's, it's got to be, you know, and, and I know I know these guys got a lot of uh, other stuff on their plate, like academics and study halls and, um, you know, things like that. But, you know, there, there's just got to be, you know, you just got to figure out a way to effectively uh, prepare and, and watch film and, and get an idea of what these guys are, are trying to do and what they're setting up. Because there's some things that Florida, I think, set up all year long, and then they unleashed it. Uh, in in this game, they they were setting up so they would ha- they would add a wrinkle every week to to their bunch formation. They got us with the wheel, and they didn't really have to do much else. So you just got. I mean, I don't know. Is really is is that is that too much to kind of figure out? You know, okay, you know, uh, from the offensive perspective, you know, what 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 are they gonna what are they gonna try to take away? Well, it's pretty obvious they're gonna take away the run game. 
Uh, that that's you know, I I think I think my wife could figure that out, and she doesn't watch football at all except for the Clemson game, which um, I was so mentally drained uh, from Friday uh, and getting up early Saturday and then watching watching the game. Um, I kind of slept through a lot of the Clemson game, but um, that's that's neither here nor there. But um, I just my body just quit. But uh, I, I think it's you know how difficult is it to to prepare uh, in in that regard. Um, it's you know it, it's just a different dynamic for everybody. Um, you know I always have my um, have a guy that runs our, our scout team defense for me. He's an aspiring defense coordinator, so I'll give him uh, the base defense that we're going to see. Um, for Friday night, so we'll run their base stuff. So we we'll run their base coverage, their base blitzes, and stuff like that. And then, so like today, um, we did that yesterday. So like today, you know, I'll tell them, hey, mix in some stuff, stuff with it. You know, mix in some stunts and some different blitzes from guys coming everywhere, just because like you don't know what they're gonna do. You know, you know this is their base, this is how they do things. But what if they do this? It's always the what if. You know, mm-hmm. and looking at the game Saturday, it looked a lot like Steve Spurrier's offense. Um, they ran the same play out different formations. That's what Steve Spurrier does. How many times can I, how many formations can I run the same play out of? And that's what they did, you know, with meshes and with slants and, you know, a couple of go balls here and there. It looks just like a Steve Spurrier offense. Um, so, you know, it's just different things you got to prepare for. You know, once, once you see this formation, you know, all right, they got us on this one. All right, so we need to be looking out for it next time, you know. Um, and the good thing about college football, you know, you got, so many guys that can help you, you know, with stuff like that. For us, you know, you know what I do, you know, once you go out there and they do something, you're like, hey, what happened? One guy's talking to the players or one guy's doing something else. You're like, well, did anybody see that? You know, so you're having to go back and do it. But you got so many guys that can help you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what Georgia needs to do. We need to rely on, you know, like Buster Faulkner. You know, he's he's an analyst. So, hey, what what do you see and how, how they do on this defense or – um, like Nick Williams, you know, helps out with the defense. So, hey, Nick, what they do on this defensive play, I mean, on this offensive play um, to help, you know. So just, just using all your guys pretty much at that level because, like you said, they got academics um, and stuff like that they got to worry about and stuff like that. So you just got to just rely on those guys to help you in a situation like that to where, all right, let's make – let's try – how easy can we make it now? All right, they got us. You know, they got us on one or two plays. Now how, now how can we fix it so they don't get us again? Or – we at least stop them for a minimal gain and not a chunk play, like you said earlier. Yeah, I mean that's I mean spot on. You you use use every resource you have, and I'm not saying that they don't, but I, I just don't know how they're using those guys because you know we see that, and you're like, well, you hired all these guys. What what's going on here? But um, but yeah, it's all about depth because injuries happen. COVID happens. Um, things like that. I mean, it's just a, it's just a whirlwind of, of things and potential excuses that aren't really excuses. You know, sometimes they're reasons, but you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta prevent those things and limit the damage that, that are, that is done by having backups in, in key spots like free safety where, you know, did we become too reliant on Richard LeCount? Probably so. You know, we got used to him being able to get us, in, in the right look or being able to adjust and say, hey, uh, Stokes, they're running this wheel. Stay in your zone. I got you. Um, you know, anything anything comes this way, I got you. 
And just being able to communicate, I think, effectively also is, is something that needs to be worked on with uh, with those second unit guys and just developing that trust as you start to intermingle and intermix those uh, those starters with the with the with the backups. And so I, I think that's that's a big key as well. And then, you know, up the middle, I think you I think I think we were down to like our fourth nose guard. Um, which I think he played at. I think I think we played admirably at that position at times, but you could just tell the the wild inexperience that we had, which is, you know, we make a great play followed by a followed by giving up a gashing run, which George's defense has not done uh, much of in the last three years. So, you know, you just got to figure out who can do what and play to those strengths, and you know, figure out who you want to put in those positions to where uh, they're the most crucial and critical. And so you got you got to lean on who you have, develop who you don't, and try to meet somewhere in the middle. And and understand that Florida, as good as they are, they're going to score some points. They're going to hit some things on you. That's okay. Don't get discouraged. Just try to figure it out, sort it out, and and try not to try to limit it. And you know, try not to have them go on a thirty-one-seven run. Take upon themselves, you know. That's the biggest question that was coming into this year when Jake Prom declared. 
Because who's going to be the running? I mean, the, the starting quarterback. You know, Jamin M leaves. You know, we got JT Davis. Everybody thinks it's him, but it's not. So now, all right, we got three guys on our roster ready to go right now because I don't think Sessions is going to play this week. Now who's going to take over? You know, who's going to be the man? You know, and, that, and that's what we need. You know, who who's going to be the man to take over and who's going to lead us um, to the promised land here with these last couple games left? Because, like I said, the season's not over, and Florida still has a, a pretty nice schedule, you know, to, you know, do some things. So we'll, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, not easy. Uh, not easy for anybody in the SEC. I mean, uh, and any team can can look like any team can fall apart. Any team can look great, uh, as Auburn has uh, shown us that they're a freaking roller coaster. Um, you know, looking so poor against uh, us in Arkansas, and then you know doing what they did to LSU. LSU uh, again beating the holy you know what out of uh, South Carolina, and then coming around, turn around the very next week and laying an egg. Uh, so, so there's a lot of inconsistency in college football, and as it is, I mean, you can look at other conferences and see, you know, Penn State is is down. Uh, Michigan is falling apart if they haven't already. Michigan State is, uh, they're they're peaking Valley, man. They 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 get destroyed by Rutgers. They beat Michigan and they come back and get destroyed again. Um, I forget it, even who it was. So, I mean, it, it happens all over college football. That's just the nature. What, who they play? Iowa. That's right. Iowa. Yeah, and Iowa, Iowa was uh, was non-existent until that game, and then Iowa exploded for like forty-eight points, which I don't think they've scored forty-eight points all the last year combined. But um, and I don't think they can score forty-eight points on air. That's how bad Iowa is. I have a friend that I host the uh, Illegal Motion College Football Podcast with. He's an Iowa fan. He grew up an Iowa fan, and uh, that's kind of random, I know. But uh, they uh, he talks about all the time. He talks about how bad Brian Ferentz is and. Uh, you know just how how awful uh, Iowa's offense is and how good it could be, but they're like a they're like a team that you know Iowa to describe Iowa they're like a, a they're like an old Porsche that is kind of beat up you know like the engine runs but it, like it won't go very far you know and if somebody and if a mechanic would just come in and like spruce it up it could be like a brand new brand new Porsche. That runs at a high level. That's kind of what Iowa is. That would be the metaphor I'd use for Iowa. I was saying Iowa looked really good this weekend, so I guess they fixed that old Porsche. They fixed it up for at least uh, one good run. We'll see how they, they can maintain <laughs> it. But um, so Israel, we we, we got to look at where we were right, where we were wrong. Uh, we were right about Texas A and M. They uh, they held on, nail biter, forty eight to three, in. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, not much to really say about that. Kelamond was on fire through four touchdowns. Isaiah Spiller rushed for 131. Uh, they couldn't really do much wrong in that game. Uh, so A&M looking, looking like they're getting better and better each and every week. They're having fun now, which is something that, again, you got to make football fun, right? It's, it's, it's still a game. So, you know, Texas A&M looking good there. Yeah. So what do you make of that game? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised at how well it takes A&M doing right now. Um, and I'm really surprised at how bad Zachary looks on defense. Um, I just saw I saw something after the game that saying that this was Must Champ's uh, last last ride um, this year. So I'm going to be interested to see you know how they finish out the season and what happens at the end of the season with Must Champ. 
Yeah, I, I think it's uh, – I've heard rumors that uh, they've already kind of uh, looked at Hugh Freeze and kind of locked him into place. I don't know. I, you know, obviously room, rumors are rumors, but, you know, that's what's circulating um, around the, the college football world. I saw that uh, the other day. So, uh, But not surprising there. Uh, Vanderbilt, the Futility Bowl. Vanderbilt is just pitiful. Mississippi State. Uh, 24-17, that game, I think, was just a battle of who wanted it less, and it seemed like Fandy wanted it less. It, it was it was a brutal game. I, I scoreboard followed that one and saw the highlights, or I don't know if you can call them highlights, but that mm, that was a brutal, brutal game. Man, man, man he's got some self-search to do, that's for sure. I mean, it's also the Athletic Association um, over there at that school. You know, man, is a very, very high-powered academic school to get back to being competitive and I think the chips are falling in, in their favor, you know, once that happens. But it also it all starts, you know, once the once the athletic, you know, board and everything get together and figure out, you know, what's going on over there. I think Vanny be good as the years roll on, but right now they're just they're just struggling. They're struggling bad. Oh yeah. And uh if you really want some good insight, there's a there's a actually a Vandy show on this uh on this network, uh, Believe in Vanderbilt Football. They just released a new episode uh, late last week with Joe Townsend. Uh, that one's a very salacious episode. So if you want to check out and, and hear the displeasure and disgruntledness of the of the Van, former Vandy players and, and how disgusted they are with the program and the administration, um, check, in, check into that. Uh, it, it's, getting, uh, it's getting ugly up, up here in Nashville as far as Vandy goes. They've got to make a change. I don't know if they can afford to, but – Something, something's got to give, right? I mean, Vandy, like I said, Vandy's been very, very competitive. We have some great guys come out of Vanderbilt right now. I mean, they're, they're just they're just struggling. So um, hopefully they can, they can figure it out, you know, more especially those, those alumni who went to Vandy and, you know, they know how good Vandy could be. Um, and right now you just don't see it. So maybe they'll figure it out here sooner, sooner rather than later. Surely they will. I mean, they figured it out with James Franklin. So, um, but uh, down the road a little bit in Knoxville, they were actually on their own um, in Fayetteville, uh, Arkansas. Hosted Tennessee. Tennessee got off to a thirteen nothing halftime lead. Then the third quarter was very kind to Arkansas. They they ran up twenty four points, and that was the uh, the fourth quarter saw no one score. Uh, so your final ended up being twenty four thirteen. The story for Tennessee is they saw three different quarterbacks: Garantano. Uh, I think they saw Stroud and then the freshman Harrison Bailey. Uh, it's good to see that they finally are dusting off Harrison Bailey. Maybe that should have come sooner. I don't know. Uh, Tennessee is just cooked right now. They're two and four. They're getting worse every week. They just might as well. I think they might as well go with the freshman. On the flip side, uh, Felipe Franks figured some things out in the second half. He tossed three touchdown passes. Traylon Burks had one of those. Uh, five. He had five total for ninety-five and a touchdown. Uh, the touchdown came on a wide open corner out where he was able to tur- uh, hit the brakes and uh, get in the end zone. Uh, so Arkansas looked very impressive in the second half. Showed that they have some resolve. Showed that they they're not going to roll over, which in years past they would have. And Tennessee would have probably ran up the score in the second half. And this game probably would have been a, a thirty-one to nothing or thirty-one to three type game in Tennessee's favor. Instead, it's twenty-four thirteen in favor of Arkansas. So good to see some things there. Uh, with that, with that team, they're getting better each and every week. But uh, the bad news is, is uh, they've been struck with the COVID. Uh, Sam Pittman uh, just recently tested positive. I think they have several other cases within the program, so uh, their immediate future um, is uh, is in doubt as far as being able to step out on the field. I saw that too, and I, and I hate that because I mean they're on a roll after that big 
big win um, Saturday against the top-notch program in Tennessee. No matter no matter what Tennessee's record is, you know they're still a top-notch program. And for a program like Arkansas to come and get a win um, the way they did, you know, being down 13 at halftime, you know, they last year's team would probably fold up again, you know, and call it today. But this team has some major grit, and I think that comes with Sam Pittman and his mentality and that coaching staff just showing these guys that hey, nothing's over till it's over you know nothing's over today you know Felipe Felipe Frank struggled in that first half um you know just try to do too much you know just just let let just take what the defense gives you you know and just run the offense you know like like you're supposed to and great things happen you saw that in that third quarter um so you know just seeing the excitement you know from Arkansas is, is, is just great you know Arkansas is a really good program and I think they're starting to come back um especially with the coaching staff they have right now and I just hate that they got hit with the COVID bug um this week, um, maybe, maybe they'll get to play. You know, they I don't think they've canceled anything yet that I've seen, but um, hopefully they'll get to play. You know, they'll, they'll keep rolling. You know, as they as they have been. Yep, it ain't it ain't looking good, but I mean, I I like how they I like just how physical they've been from from the first from the first snap till now. I mean, even you know they 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 gave Georgia a wake up call uh, first game, and then they just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it, and at some point you were like. Well, it is uh, – are they going to fall off? Okay, no, okay, they're not going to fall. Okay, this week, okay. All right, well, this, they lost, but, oh, they look pretty good. All right, this week, uh, oh, wow, seven turnovers. Hmm, beat Ole Miss. Okay. Uh, then they just keep doing it, and then and then you're like, you know, then, then A&M starts, you know, going on the run they went on, and you're like, okay, all right, here it is. This is the week, right? This is the week. And then all of a sudden, they come back, play a great second half, and make that make that thing a tight or a tighter ball game, I should say. And then uh, and then this week they they finish off their comeback in the second half. So they're developing in different areas um, at different times, which is which is what you want to see in year one of, of a brand new culture shift. And so they're getting you know their first goal is let's, let's go out and play physical and see where that gets us, right? And then hey, let's get a little bit better on offense. Let's get a little bit more explosive. Let's get a little bit closer to playing. Uh, at the tempo that we want to play at. Okay, all right, we, we're starting to accomplish that. All right, defense, let's, all right, now that we're playing physical, let's let's get some turnovers. Okay, check, seven turnovers against Ole Miss. All right, now uh, let's go up again. You know, uh, this will be one of the better teams that we faced. They're very explosive. They can score points in bunches. Let's see how we respond. when they, and, and they actually did score points in bunches. Now let's see how we can respond. They responded well. They didn't win, but I thought they, had, I thought they responded well. And then uh, – Last week, okay, now we know how to respond in this situation, and they put it all together, and they were able to come out victorious. I don't, you know, Tennessee's good in, in, in a lot of areas, um, but, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, Arkansas obviously outplayed them, and, and I think mentally uh, they had the, they had the edge, and, and I thought they, uh, man, I, I, I was excited to see that Arkansas won that game. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, the last thing I'll get to Israel, um, I felt like it was the game of the night. Uh, you know, obviously Clemson, Notre Dame, um, looking outside of the conference. Uh, that game was, uh, 
back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and I hate that, that I just kind of fell asleep during it. I was just, I mean, I was unbelievably tired. I, I can't even describe how tired I was. My eyes were hurting even with my glasses on. I couldn't keep my eyes open. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what was going on in front of me. I, I would have slept through a tornado at that point. But uh, I woke up just in time to see Notre Dame finish it off in double overtime. Um, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I thought Notre Dame did a great job of, of putting Clemson in bad situations. I thought they kept Clemson off balance defensively. And it just seemed like when Clemson was starting to figure it out, they would, you know, throw another wrinkle at him. Uh, they would throw something else at him, and and it just it, it, it was a great boxing match of punch counter punch punch counter punch. I hate somebody had to lose that game, honestly, because uh, I think I think both teams played a great game. Uh, it just happened to be that Notre Dame made one more play than Clemson did, and, and that ended up being the the difference. And I thought DJ. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna pronounce his last name correctly, so I'm just gonna call him the Big Cinco. Um, I thought the Big Cinco played tremendously. Um, I thought ETN uh, he's got a little bit of fumbleitis lately. Um, that's con- kind of concerning, but uh, two fumble sixes in back to back weeks uh, is very concerning for for him because uh, I still think he's the best running back in the country, and he proved that um, outside of that fumble. So. Uh, what are your thoughts on that Clemson game? Uh, you know, did Clemson lose? Did Notre Dame win? Uh, you know what? You know, kind of how did how did you see it? Um, from watching it, um, I think Notre Dame won. Um, I think, like you said, they did a great job of, of throwing counter punches every time Clemson Clemson would do something. They throw another punch. You know, um, it was good to see Ian Book. You know, get over that hump. It was good to see Brian Kelly and Notre Dame um, just get over that hump of all right. We hadn't beat you know top notch programs and just to see them go out there and continue to play and not get defeated when something bad happens is a testament to what they've done um, and the culture he's trying to build over there at Notre Dame. Um, but, you know, for them, you know, it's not over. You know, they, they still got to go out and win. But I think a, a win like that um, against a top-notch program like Clemson is great. And um, I'm, I'm going to try – I'm going to attempt to say his last name, Uwe Angulalehe. I'm, I'm, I probably butchered it, but you know, but he, he played lights out for them. I mean, being a DJ freshman, ukulele is what I call him. Yeah. Being, being a freshman and coming in that spot and doing as well as he did, you know, the testament to his preparation for the game. Um, kudos to you know Coach Elliott calling calling a, a great game um, offensively for them. But the one thing that that is a uh, is mind boggling to me is Clemson's defense. Now I understand they lost a lot of guys, um, whether it was to the draft or you know to um, injury but you know they're they're down defensively i know brent visibles is pulling his hair out trying to figure out you know what's going on and what to do um so you know it's, it's going to be interesting now to see you know when trevor gets back and when they get all their their defensive guys back how well they can be or or if those injuries just kind of keep keep hindering and hindering them defensively because as we can see you know just from that boston college game the offense can score on that defense um, right now, when you look back, you know, that defense was a staple of their team. Um, so um, the defense right now is struggling for them right now, whether it's injuries or or whatever you call it. But it, it'll be interesting to see how well Clemson bounces back when they get Trevor Lawrence back and, you know, how, how they go about doing everything uh, moving forward. Because, they had, like I said, they haven't lost anything either. They're, they're primed to be in the AC championship game. Um, so if they just went out, you know, that they'll obviously give them a spot in the playoff. Um you know, so we'll just see how it goes, you know, toward the end of this season and um, how they bounce back after a loss to, to a really good Notre Dame team now. 
You know, it wasn't like they lost to a scrub or anything. If they lost to Boston College, now we'll we'll be sitting here talking differently. But you know, they lost to a really good Notre Dame team. Um, so we'll see how they bounce back. And I'm also interested to see in what happens with Notre Dame because those students stormed the field and that had COVID written all over it. So I'm interested, Ooh, yeah. I'm interested to see if they have any, you know, COVID outbreaks with those guys. You know, they will. I, I just, it, uh, I mean, if they don't, then that'll be the luckiest thing that's ever happened to them um, ever in the history of the uh, University of Notre Dame. So. Yeah, and I'm surprised. You know, where was the security during that point? Because you know in a big win like that was going to happen. And I'm surprised that there was no security just stopping them being like, no, you can't come on the field. I'm talking about the field is dang covered with players and, and fans. And, you know, um, like you said, it'll be a miracle to see that they don't come out with a COVID outbreak out there because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe all these people out here on the football field. Yeah, where's security? They're probably tucked in a ball underneath getting trampled to death because <laughs> they came out in waves. I don't think there's any way you could stop that, honestly, as, as a security guard. That would be like that would be like asking um, an offensive lineman to block four guys. Yeah. Hey, he might get one. I mean, you know, those security guards probably got him one. Uh, but, you know, they're not going to stop the other 500 that are storming past them. And, you know, they're, they're probably limited as far as staff goes. But, you know, I, I guess they could do it like uh, these uh, European soccer stadiums where they build these giant fences, uh, gates that go like, you know, 100 feet in the air uh, that you can't get through, around, or over. Uh, and that prevents uh, field storming. Um, but uh, then again, that makes your stadium look like a prison. So. You know, you gotta, I guess I guess you got to take the good with the bad. So, And uh, I guess what European soccer fans have resorted to is shooting flares um, onto the field. So I guess you could, ha- I guess you could have that problem um, in, in your stadiums. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. There's, you know, I, I'm just waiting for, you know, University of Notre Dame to go, yeah, football operations are canceled. Everyone has COVID. Yeah. And from, and from We're done for two weeks. Exactly. And uh, Israel, I think that's going to give us a good stopping point. Um, Later on this week, we will deep dive into our previews of whatever game is available um, this week. We'll probably hopefully try to have some more information on the quarterback battle um, as we as we look ahead to Missouri and what Eli Drinkowitz can bring uh, into that matchup. So, uh, Israel, any final any final thoughts, Uh, anything you want to talk, anything you want to say, putting this uh, putting this Florida game to bed?
don't know how many bowl games will be played, but the season's far from over. Um, we'll 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 get it right, and and we'll fix it. Everybody just just kind of calm down. You know, this this game's over, so now we move on to the next one, um, and and we'll be fine. We'll we'll get it we'll get it figured out. So everybody just just stay calm for just just a little bit. Exactly. Uh, well put. Um, that'll do it for us. Uh, again, you can catch us on uh, social media at Believe in Dogs on all three. You can catch Israel at Troopstar28 on Instagram and face on Instagram and Twitter. I should say, excuse me. Uh, you can catch me at Burton.Corey on Instagram at Coach Burton36 on Twitter. Uh, you can find our show, rate, subscribe, review, do it in whatever order you want to do it in. Just find our show, rate it. Uh, subscribe to it and uh, go ahead and leave us a review. I, I know you can do it on Apple Podcasts, so just uh, just give us something, give us those five stars, and uh, we will continue to churn out what a, a great show this has become. And uh, want to thank our sponsors, BetOnline.ag, for providing us with an opportunity to talk uh, spreads and things like that, and give us an opportunity to say that we are a sponsored podcast. So I want to thank them as well. Uh, but for Israel, I'm Corey Burton. And uh, this has been the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. And with that, as always, I want to wish you guys a great day and a big hearty go dogs. Go dogs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.